Dear fellow redeemed, we briefly consider our gospel reading from the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And as we begin, we stand here at the, the edge of Lent, which began this past Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. And this whole season of Lent marks the basically the 40 days leading up to Easter. The season of Lent beginning at, um, at Ash Wednesday and really concluding during Holy Week. And we don't count the Sundays as part of that. But the whole character of the season of Lent is reflected in the, the temptation of Jesus there in the wilderness. That already a thousand years ago, the season of Lent took on a time of, of um, further devotion, self-reflection, examination, and instruction. The period of time when the young and the, those new to the faith would go through their catechism instruction for 40 days and would undergo a period of fasting in connection with that as Christians once again took a closer look at their lives to see what is it exactly that my Lord would have me do and what is it exactly that is distracting me or pulling me away from that. And you'll notice that number 40, it comes up a few times. We talked about that um, in our Wednesday catechism course this past week as well. You think of the number 40, that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights during Noah's flood, the God, flood, the, the God sent flood during the time of Noah, if you will. That Moses was on the mountain for 40 days receiving the law from God. That Jesus was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days during the time which that Matthew tells us that he had fasted for that 40 days and 40 nights. And then after, after his resurrection, that Jesus still did ministry and showed himself to the disciples for a period of 40 days until his ascension into heaven. And what we kind of see is that that period of 40 days is an example and a number that is often associated with God interacting with his creation. God interacting with his creation when he sent the water of the flood upon the earth in judgment. God interacting with his creation as his created Moses was there at the top of Mount Sinai to receive the law. God interacting with his creation as the Son of God wandered in the wilderness, being driven there and led there by the Spirit in order to be tempted by the devil. And it's in perhaps, perhaps a little reflection of that that the Christian church took up this practice of 40 days during Lent to not just have it be a celebration that would creep up on us as if Easter was just the only thing on the calendar, but that also this period of 40 days leading up to Easter would be a time when Christians would have to pay attention and would have more opportunity to think about what is it that my God would have me do? What is it that our Lord says in his word? Well, how is it that the temptations of the devil, as squirrely and squirmy as they may be, have wormed themselves into my life? So that, in a sense, the season of Lent is, is a time of adjustment, a time of reflection, maybe a time of repentance. And that's what we see, especially in our gospel lesson, that as Jesus goes out into the wilderness, that he doesn't go out into the wilderness as though he himself had any sin to repent of, that Jesus goes out there to do battle with the devil, 
that this Jesus who has a, I think as we talked about this past Wednesday, during Ash Wednesday also, who has a rational soul and human flesh. In other words, that this Jesus is exactly human, the same as you or I, that um, you know, in a very real way he has his mother's eyes from whom he derived his human nature. That this Jesus has emotions, that he has a will, that he had an in has an intellect, and that even though he is God Almighty, at the same time he chose to need to grow in that intellect. And even though he, as God Almighty, had the ability to prevent things like the death of Lazarus, that death still cut him to the core, and he wept at Lazarus's tomb. And even as you or I have a will, which is where we, we take the intellect and the heart and we put it into action, Jesus also had a will, and he still does, obviously. Um, he has a will that he bent to submit to the Father's will. Even as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but yours be done. And we see all those things here at work, here in the temptation of Jesus. It's as though the devil just goes right down the line. Jesus, it shouldn't be like this. What are you wandering out here for? Why? Why are you fasting? If you really are the Son of God, well, why would you put up with being hungry? None of your disciples are. Maybe the Pharisees are, and that they, only if they can parade about it for two days out of the week. And you hear that, that attack on his emotional state. As if in a moment of weakness, Jesus is going to say, you're right, what I needed was just a bag of Fritos right here, and suddenly I am so much better. But we understand. We understand the, the pull of emotion. And we understand the temptations of the devil that play on our emotion, at least to a degree. We see the temptations for what they are, and even if we don't always understand the mindset or the feeling that is behind it, there's that, that sense that I am, yes, more prone to give in to temptation when I'm you know, maybe hungry or angry or feeling lonely or maybe feeling tired. All things that relate to our emotional state. And Jesus, you know, perhaps feeling many of those, he is, he is hungry. He's all by himself. He's tired. And the devil says, just make it a little bit easier for yourself. Just this once besides... It's just you, me, and, uh, and those rocks over there. And they could be loaves of bread. And the second temptation, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And this one, perhaps appealing more directly to his, his intellect, his thinking ability. Jesus, you know the word of God. You know that God said he will send his angels concerning you, and they'll catch you, and they'll set you gently down. Just like that. Surely this, this God will take care of you. Um, he doesn't want you to die outside of your appointed time, correct? You've got things to do here, right? Of course, of all people, of all people, you would be the one that God himself will send his angels immediately to protect you from falling. It almost sounds logical, aside from the abuse, misuse of God's blessings, but it is a temptation to his intellect. Surely, 
this certainly makes sense to you, that, that the, the God who sent you here to save people, he'll continue to take care of you, regardless of your own input, regardless of your own action. And then the final one. If those first two, each one on its own, weren't enough, the appeal to his, his hunger, his emotional state and well-being, the second one, his appeal to, this is a logical course of action because the word of God backs you up. Then put those together. Jesus, even if, even if you, your heart isn't exactly in it, all you have to do is bow down. Exercise your will. And incline your heart. And mentally admit that this is a blessing that God could give to you right now without all of the suffering, without the cross, without the stripes, as our choir say. When you see Jesus in the wilderness, why? During the period of Lent, when we have begun this 40-day journey, why do we take a few moments at the, at the start of Lent to pause and see Jesus' 40-day journey in the wilderness? Why do we take a few moments to read and reread and re-re-read how the devil appeals to Jesus in his heart, in his mind, in his will, in his action? Why? And the answer isn't simply to say, well, so we can see what we should do with temptation. Because this gospel lesson isn't given to you and to me to simply say, well, here's the recipe for, and the formula for defeating the devil. We can certainly understand it from that. But there's more. Here at the beginning of this 40-day journey of Lent, when God calls you to give some sober consideration to your own life, to look at, at maybe the chart of, if you, if you were to keep a chart of the hours of your week, look at where your time goes. If you were to um, mentally track where your attention went, to think for a moment where what had consumed your intellect, and to think and to look, look within and talk with those who are closest to you. What is it that has been pulling me away from love for God and love for my neighbor? To spend not just a Sunday or a service and thinking, well, how has the temptation of the devil squirmed into my life? But even more than that, how have I been an active participant in saying, yeah, that's, what, that's exactly where my heart should go, or my mind should go, or my actions should go. To say that, that this is a 40-day walk with Jesus through the desert as the season of Lent. Because what you see, and I think one of the things that, if you get a copy of the book as well, what you'll kind of realize is that at every point, the devil doesn't have to, have to physically get us out of a church building and physically have Bibles sitting on the shelf instead of on our table in order to pull us further away from him. All it takes is, is a little bit of erosion over time, a little bit of getting in between 
the relationships that God has given, a little bit of attention of mind and heart, or a little bit of action that on the surface might be a very good thing, might look like a very good thing, but behind it, coming from bad motive, or its result, choosing something that is good instead of choosing something that is better, choosing something that is urgent instead of choosing what is important, and thinking to ourselves, that's a difficult task for 40 days. For 40 days of considering where has my attention been so filled with the world around me that I barely know the difference between Job and Job. Where has my time and attention been so filled with the world around me that I start to see the blessings in my life as the purpose of my life? Where has my heart been so distracted and my mind so consumed that I start to see the people in my life as here simply for my benefit? And if they aren't going to be a benefit to me, then step out of the way. And Lord, have mercy. Forty days of considering, of considering how the devil's temptation to um, his appeal to our emotions or to our thinking, to the worry or anxiety within the hurt, the anger, the loneliness that might be there, to our intellect of what only looks like the logical choice. And of course, of course, God wants me to spend my time in this way, um, and it's so much easier, the path of least resistance, and my action of following through on all of those emotions that even I don't understand why I do what I do, but I keep on doing it, almost sounds like Romans 7 all over again. That the time of Jesus in the wilderness, that we start with this time of Jesus in the wilderness, at the beginning of a penitential season, uh, a season of, of contrition, repentance, a season of consideration and recognition, so that you see that this Jesus won. And the way that, that is often thought is, Jesus won, okay, now you go and do likewise. We're not there yet. That Jesus won, and he faced all these temptations, however you splice up these three that we hear about, whatever categories you may use, that Jesus won as champion for you. That his perfect record of not giving in to temptation, his perfect record of remaining holy and sinless has been counted as yours as well. That oftentimes when we talk about this idea of forgiveness, um, we talk about forgiveness as God blotting out sin, removing sin, washing sin away, which brings us like from a negative back up to a zero. And God doesn't leave us there, as if to say, all right, now you've got a new life, now you've got this new life of faith, and go on your way, go do your best. He doesn't say that. That he gives his gifts in such a way that he removes sin, he has taken it away, washed it away, blotted it out, and he has given to you the perfect record that you see right here in Matthew chapter 4. That at every point when Jesus says, no, 
At every point when Jesus chooses what is better, at every point when Jesus bows his head to his Father's will, even though it is difficult, challenging, or even painful, that perfection has been counted as yours as well. Not just the removal of a negative, but the giving of a positive. Not just the removal of sin, but the giving of his righteousness and holiness and perfection. Because you and I, in a sense, walk in a desert still, but not alone. That you and I live our lives as people who have been marked by the cross of Christ, who have been marked by the victory of Christ, who have been given new life with Christ, but that you and I still live in this period of 40 days, not just of Lent, but of your life. 40 days when God still wants to interact with his creation, his people. 40 days when God still wants to use the time of your life and mine to continue to build and spread his gospel around the world. 40 days in which the devil will still do his best to make a, an emotional temptation or a logical appeal or try to get you to act in a particular way. 40 days in which Jesus walks with you. And he has said that. Forty days in which Jesus has given to you everything that you could want or need. Forty days in which Jesus calls us back again to say, dear Christian, even though, even though we live in a land of plenty, and there's no fear, really, that you or I would go for 40 days without food as Jesus chose to do, at the same time, perhaps there is some value in taking a little bit of extra time over the next few weeks to sharpen our understanding of how the devil would like to um, draw us away from Christ, to sharpen our understanding of our need and our, our consistent turning toward the religions that this world has to offer in whatever guise they come, the 40 days to recognize, most of all, that this Jesus didn't just come to give us a boost on Sunday mornings and a, a happy Easter Sunday. This Jesus came to walk with his people for the entire 40-day period of your entire life. And thanks be to God for that. Because he has not left his creation, his people, without hope. But the champion who defeated every temptation of the devil... The champion has come to live in your heart through faith, which was his gift. He comes to you again in his sacrament, which is his gift, where he says, Dear Christian, your sin is forgiven. Your righteousness has been replaced with the righteousness of your Jesus. And so whatever temptation you find and whatever straying away you see over the next few weeks, then turn around and look and see that this Jesus has won. And this Jesus is yours. Amen.